1: Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your
0: host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Full Ratchet. For quite some time now, folks have been asking me why I don't have sponsors on the program. And my simple answer is that I don't want to be nickel and diming listeners with products that make no sense for them. But many have encouraged me to engage with sponsors, and some have even said that it looks less professional that I'm not partnering with companies that do have something of value. That was a bit of a shocker for me to hear. So, after much deliberation and connecting with some value added partners, I've decided to take the plunge, and going forward, the full ratchet will be privileged to feature a few different sponsors two of which make their debut today. Just to clarify on expectations, I will plan to do a brief mention early on in the program, and then later on during the episode, I will go a bit deeper and provide a more thorough description of the sponsor's product or service and why it can provide value for you. On today's episode, we're talking about building authority, a brand, and differentiating as an investor. I've asked Jay Acunzo of NextView Ventures and John Gannon of B Maven to join me. In today's segment, we address why VCs and angels are attempting to build brands, some of the most common methods used to create a presence, the emergence of the platform VC, what it is, and why it's becoming a big thing, who are some of the long standing investors that have created exceptional brands. Those that are newer to startup investing that are fast building strong authority. And finally, ways to identify investors that are establishing strong brands and how to align or partner with them. And we'll finish up by talking about the time commitment and challenging requirements of creating content and committing to building an investor brand. All that and more on today's episode. Here it is on building an investor brand. Today we welcome Jay Aconzo and John Gannon. Jay is VP of Platform at NextView Ventures and creator of NextView's excellent podcast Traction. And John is CEO of B Maven and maintains a great blog called Yet Another X VC Blog. Jay and John, welcome to the program.
2: Thanks, Nate. Thank you so much for having me.
0: In light of the topic, Jay, can you start us off by walking through your background and how you became involved in venture?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in the Boston tech community for my whole career. I started in digital media sales at Google and uh, transitioned to a Series A startup from there. And uh, most recently, before joining NextView, I was head of content marketing at HubSpot. So my entire career is mainly in sales and marketing. And NextView hired me to lead platform, which means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. At NextView, since we're a dedicated seed fund, uh It's basically an extension of what our capital is for, which is obviously not for going public. It's for gaining initial traction. So we offer a lot of resources, a lot of content. You mentioned the podcast and a lot of internal initiatives for our portfolio. Um, most of our initiatives are publicly available on our website. But the idea of platform for us is basically how do we help startups gain initial traction?
0: So you moved straight from HubSpot to NextView? Yeah, that's right. And how long ago was that? How long you been at NextView now? Uh, it's coming up on two years this spring. Got it. And John, how did you first get involved in venture?
2: Sure. So after I graduated business school, which was in '08, I went into a venture firm here in New York City. And what happened next was nuclear winter, right? So the markets crashed, and it was uh, a really interesting time to you know start my career in the in the venture ecosystem. I definitely became very familiar with what a full ratchet was. Uh, <laughs> But uh, since then, I've, I've stayed in the venture community. Like you mentioned, I'm the founder of a seed stage startup called BeMaven. And a lot of the work that I'm doing there is really informed by the blog, email list, etc. that I started while I was in venture that you had mentioned earlier.
0: Yeah, everyone seems to have a reaction to this uh, sensational title that I chose. <laughs> <laughs> so you worked in venture uh, for what firm, John?
2: There's a firm called L Capital Partners, which, uh, like many firms of the day, didn't, didn't quite make it through the, uh, the end of that winter. So $150 million fund. We did tech as well as healthcare, and I was focused on tech. Got it. So guys,
0: today we're talking authority and creating an investor brand. Jay, can you start us off by talking about why VCs, and in some cases angels, are attempting to build an investor brand?
1: Yeah, so I think brand is a funny term. Uh, it can be translated into a lot of different things, a lot of which might be a little fluffy to some people. But I think if you, if you couch it as just somebody's emotional reaction to your entity, that's an important feature of being successful. So, uh, if you think about all the choice that entrepreneurs have today more than ever, and, you know, they can raise, especially in the early stage, like NextView, where, where NextView sits, you can raise through friends and family, angels, the cloud. Uh, you have a lot more micro VCs and seed VCs. There's just more choice facing the entrepreneur more than ever. And I think this is something that's happened in other sectors as well, like software, where the customer has more control, more power than ever. And in this case, customer is the entrepreneur. Now, all of a sudden, you need to be differentiated. You can't just exist uh, if you're a company. And so in the investor world, all of a sudden, you have VCs that are used to marketing just to LPs having to better serve entrepreneurs. Uh, And unfortunately, all the product is equally green, right? It's, It's money. So if you think about what VCs have started to do and did for decades, it was sell the partnership. Who are they? What's their expertise? What's their background? How can they add value and advice, et cetera? And I think the logical extension of that is to actually think about a brand holistically. And then all the pillars of that can be things like the partnership and what they care about and what they're good at, like a platform and the initiatives that you offer. So a brand to me is something that uh, investors should have always been cultivating a little bit more strategically. A lot of times I think it just happened because of who they were. Um, but now it's actually a key differentiator in a lot of cases. If you're in a competitive deal or you're in a competitive market, uh, and again, the whole trend of having more choice to fund your business and needing less capital to get out of the gate, I think necessitates investors to, to build a brand that's very focused on helping entrepreneurs.
0: I'm curious. I assume you could have gone in a lot of directions from HubSpot. Uh, why, why the venture industry? Why did you? choose to execute this strategy on creating a, a brand and, and platform within VC?
1: Yeah. So when NextView uh, had approached me, so I was looking for early stage startups. So I was like hitting my network, trying to get back into the early stage world because HubSpot, uh, as great as the company is, was anything but uh, at the time that I left. And so I, I was just networking around the Boston tech world, a little bit in New York. And a friend of mine that had founded a company that I worked for a while ago had mentioned NextView was looking for this role. And what was appealing to me was there wasn't much of a playbook that had been established across the venture industry to build a VC brand and defining it as not just like the thought leadership idea, but out helping the competition through any initiatives that we could concoct. And so when I had talked to the next few guys, you know, to their credit, they'd been building a successful seed fund in Boston and New York for about five years. Uh, they were entering their second fund when I joined and they kind of handed me what was the partner's baby. At the time and said, Hey, we have this, this brand. What, what do you make of it? And the chance to do that from scratch, I think to me as someone who's been in content marketing for my whole career was, was too good to pass up. Obviously there's the education that I'm getting and the, and the network and, and all of that. But the idea that like there isn't really like an industry playbook to do this kind of brand building was really exciting. Whereas if I'm in a SaaS business, there's a lot more methodology and a lot more process behind it. And you can kind of like plug and play a lot of different tactics across SaaS businesses. In VC, you have a couple of early movers in this idea of platform and this idea of brand building with a you know an eye to helping entrepreneurs. But it's pretty open, and that was you know two, almost two years ago. And I had a couple conversations with peers, and that was it. That's all the the kind of peer set that I had. Fast forward to today, and it seems like every single week I have a conversation with somebody who's a VP of insert marketing title here who <laughs> yeah. just joined a VC firm. So it's definitely becoming a trend. And uh, for me, it's fun. It's like not only have built it from scratch at NextView, but like now continue to try to stay ahead of this trend.
0: Yep, I've seen quite a bit of it myself. So, John, what are some of the methods that you've seen investors use to create a brand?
2: Yeah, I wanted to follow on to one of Jay's points, which is that, you know, even, even though there's this trend that is now happening where firms uh, are sort of building brand, it's still, I, I think, day one for this stuff. And the reason I think that is because You know, a lot of people, when they think about VC brand traditionally, and this is changing a bit, but they've thought about that blogging VC, right? Like a Fred Wilson or a Mark Suster. But there's some more recent examples of folks who haven't really done blogging in the traditional sense or haven't blogged at all. And they've been able to carve out a a really nice niche and brand for themselves. So examples are guys like Jonathan Lear. Uh, He started the New York Enterprise Tech Meetup from scratch, ran it for a couple of years when he was working at Morgan Stanley. And now he's venture investing in later stage deals at Workbench here in the city. And he's really kind of become known as one of the the main enterprise investors in NYC because he started that meetup and, and has run it for the last two plus years. There's uh, David Scott at Matrix. I think he doesn't get as much uh, sort of press as some of the more famous VC bloggers, the Jason Lemkins or Fred Wilsons. But he took a different approach in that he built just this exhaustive set of resources about SaaS go-to-market uh, and some of the metrics around SaaS. Uh, recently, did another whole playbook around hiring. So not blogging every day, but really building a resource that would stand on its own and be helpful to entrepreneurs in you know, many years down the road. Uh, and then, you know, the third person I mentioned. There's a guy named Patrick Matheson at Toba Capital out in San Francisco. He Basically, went on Quora over the last year and change, and has just started answering a ton of VC-related questions. And you'll see now, Quora has flagged him as one of the top venture capital question answerers, right? And if if you remember, or or if you know Jason Lemkin, you know that's kind of how he got his start. He went on Quora and just started answering every SaaS question he could find. And you know, we all know where that went.
0: So, Jay, you just recently touched on this. But we've heard a lot recently about this platform VC approach. And Mark Suster recently wrote about this as well uh, with Upfront's plan for a platform strategy. We've also heard the efforts of firms like Andreessen, First Round. They've been executing these platform strategies, uh, some in a public way and some in in a more private fashion for a number of years. Can you fill us in on what VCs are doing with this platform approach?
1: Sure. I think it actually falls into, uh, you can slice it two ways. You can slice it in terms of the tactics that they use to execute, and then you can slice it in terms of like the authenticity. And so let me start with the latter. So the authenticity is, unless you have your head in the sand, if you work in the startup world, you kind of understand that VCs are fast followers, right? And I've had VCs admit this to me, so hopefully it's not too surprising for people to hear. Like, VCs are fast followers. Entrepreneurs move downtown in Boston, VCs follow. The other VCs that are leading in the industry start to blog, other VCs follow. So unfortunately, you have these like early adopters and uh, and they were doing it out of an authentic desire to differentiate and help entrepreneurs. Now you have people, and I've heard people literally say this from different partnerships, that they're hiring VPs of marketing or platform and they don't really know what to do with them. And that's just going to make more noise and confuse entrepreneurs. And like, that is no way to build a brand. So the authentic way to do it is to have a unique stance. Or find some white space to own. I mean, this is marketing 101, but it's a new gene, a new muscle for a lot of VCs. A- and just own it outright. So if you think of Andreessen, they're going to be the best at software services, right? And I mean that by like service teams for software companies. If you think of first round, they're going to have this like great community with a brand that feels very startupy. Hopefully, if you think of NextView, think of traction and that zero to one problem set, both in customer acquisition and, and every other topic. Um, and that's what we're, what our North Star is. Um, Open View Ventures with no relation to NextView, but they're also in Boston. You know, they're really great B2B SaaS growth stage. So it's about like finding this white space that you can own, have a unique viewpoint on, ha- add unique value to, and then just out help the competition. That's the way to do it, I think. Unfortunately, I think you have a lot of people that see the great work of Fred Wilson and Mark Suster, you know, or Brad Feld, and they want to blog like them. Those three already exist, right? So do something different that's unique. John just mentioned all these great uh, partners who have some sort of unique stance. You know, Jason Lumpkin with SaaS, for example. And so I think the best thing that VCs can do with this platform approach, forgetting the tactics, forgetting what they, do, they actually execute, think about why they exist. And, and that is a new question for a lot of VCs to ask. Why do we exist? Because forever it was, I'm a successful entrepreneur. I'm going to go raise a fund, I'm going to become a VC because I like the lifestyle, I like this industry, I want to help entrepreneurs. But not every VC can own the idea of entrepreneurship or startups very generally. So it's about like finding that definitional tilt to what you're trying to offer, to how you're trying to add value to the community. That's the best place to start. The tactics can follow, right? Whether it's events or blogging or just ad hoc advice or services team, all of that comes a lot more easily if you can just define why the hell do we exist in the minds of the people that we serve.
0: Right A lot of folks will ask me why I host a podcast on this, and um, even beyond the fact that I, I want to connect with subject matter experts in, in every specific topic and have more of a, a conversational information source, you know, the podcasting medium was completely green. Audio was completely green. Uh, there was over 550 VC. bloggers out there that were writing, but nobody was doing audio. Um, so I figured, you know I could be the only game in town. And if I was providing value, then I could carve out something unique.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And I think the best approach to see if the VC is doing it in an authentic way is kind of white label whatever you're consuming or interacting with from that firm. This is true of any brand. White label what you're interacting with. Can you still tell it to them? So if you were to like white label, for example, the first round review or the next few ventures blog you could probably still tell that it's either of those firms, right? First round is going to have a very essay long form uh, piece from uh, an individual from a reputable startup that's later stage. Uh, you know, our blog is going to be very tactical, very helpful, very focused on, again, that zero to one idea or attraction. And with you, for example, you can, you know, just understand, hey, it's audio and it's, it's a certain tilt on audio. So when we started our podcast, it wasn't white space. You know, there were a lot of VC podcasts. So we had to take a firm angle, it's going to be called traction, we're going to do a narrative style show, we're gonna do a lot of post production, and we're going to focus it like a story instead of a talking head show. And to me, that felt like unique white space to own outright. And I think that's how an entrepreneur can kind of like vet the noise is, you know, is it unique value, If you line up all the steps that it takes for me to overcome a challenge as an entrepreneur is that VC going to help me move through those steps quicker or actually remove a step through whatever initiative it is? Um, Because again, the danger in all this is it's just creating more noise in the world if done as like a follower approach instead of an innovator approach.
0: Yep. Couldn't agree more. For the audience, the Traction podcast that Jay hosts is incredibly professional and innovative. I've learned quite a bit from listening to that show. So if you haven't checked it out yet, then I'd encourage you to do so.
1: So no, uh, thank you so much. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, thanks for doing it. I, I can imagine the amount of work you put in because I know I put a, <laughs> a ton of work into mine. I sort of append a blog post on on the end of each show that I call a tip of the week. And, you know, that alone takes a lot of work, but the editing is a big workload, too. So I could expect that yours is probably 10x of what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of work, but that's what makes it worth it, right? It's like doing the hard thing is what, is what makes it worth doing.
0: Right. So moving back to John, John, you touched on some of the longstanding players before. Um, are there any other people in the VC investor brand space that you think are doing an exceptional job with creating a brand? And who are those? And why do you do you think they're exceptional?
2: Yeah, I think the longstanding folks are the obvious ones, which uh, I mentioned a couple and, and you mentioned a few as well, right? So you know, Fred Wilson, Brad Felt, Mark Suster, uh, Jason Calcanis, right? More from an angel perspective has done a great job. And I think what you're seeing like in terms of how this is evolving is not Fred or, or Brad, but if you look at Mark and Jason, Kalkanis and uh, Jason Lemkin, they're kind of becoming media companies, right? So they've all got their own podcast, you know, they're doing events. Jason Lemkin obviously has turned Saster and basically a media company, right? Which ultimately is gonna drive him the best SaaS deal flow. So I think that's the that's the trend. That's sort of when you get to the pro level. Uh but you know, I, I think there's still a lot of opportunity for other investors to build brands that matter, uh, even if they're not at that scale.
0: Yeah, if we transition to the up and comers, let's talk about some investors that have recently created some brands. Jay, can you talk about some that stand out and what they've done? Sure. I mean, the the first one that comes to
1: mind is uh, actually there's two of them that are kind of right in my backyard here in Boston. Now, they're not necessarily newcomers to the venture world. They're, they're longer standing firms, but this idea of platform and, and conscientious strategic brand building, I think is, is relatively new in the long arc of, of the venture world. Uh, and the two are Accomplice, which actually used to be known as Atlas, and they actually broke into their biotech arm and their uh, consumer and B2B tech arm. So the, the latter is now called Accomplice. The director of community there is a woman named Sarah Downey, and she's excellent former operator. Uh, they're really great at building a brand through these large community groups. You know, there's one they have. It's actually a co-working space here in Boston. Um, and they, they do a lot with Angel List and using local entrepreneurs to, you know, harness kind of the power of both the cloud and the crowd. So they have these like big, meaty communities or or initiatives that they can like put together and call it their platform. So Accomplice is really great. OpenView is a later stage fund that I mentioned already here in Boston. They've always done a lot with content and blogging. And I think now you're seeing them kind of smooth out the edges and actually be very strategic and very focused, which I think is going to help them win. So they're focused on B2B SaaS in the growth stages. And so their content is starting to reflect that. They brought on um, Kyle Lacey, who was a VP of marketing over at Exact Target, Salesforce, and uh, recently promoted Devin McDonald to a partner and she runs OpenView Labs. So they're doing a lot with like team content and they do a lot of uh, like one-to-one services. And, you know, I think that there are two that stand out because they're right in our backyard down in New York and actually split across New York, Boston and the Valley would be Spark Capital. Uh, I love the work that Danya Cheskis-Gold is doing. Again, she's really strong. They're really strong with community building, with helping you understand service providers, um, all sorts of things like that. And again, I, I just mentioned three very different flavors. And I think they can all coexist with each other, you know, with NextView because, the four of us, we're all carving out these like little areas to own that are different and differentiated. And I think that's a, again, a sign that hopefully we're in that crowd with next few, but certainly the three I mentioned are doing this platform idea or doing this brand building idea well.
0: Yeah. We just recently had Andrew Parker of Spark on the program. And, um, one of the, my favorite things about his blog is he publishes his thesis on every investment. Despite all the bloggers out there, there are very few that are so transparent. That's great. Yeah. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. So going back to John, is there a way to identify up and coming investors and aligning yourself with them?
2: Yeah, definitely. So uh, and and just to to put a finer point on it. So, you know, I think there's a big opportunity for up-and-coming investors to identify it could be other VC bloggers, it could be other VCs who are running events, but folks who are trying to create something and build something new and then basically try to either help them directly or add to the conversation. So, a really specific example would be when I was in venture, this is back in 0809, Mark Suster had just started blogging, right? And I read his stuff. I saw he was publishing almost every day. It was good stuff. And you know, now he posts something, it gets shared thousands of times and gets two hundred comments, right? But back then, Mark was maybe getting a couple of comments, if that, on his post, because he was brand new to the game. So there's definitely an opportunity there to contribute to that conversation with some of these up-and-coming folks who are starting to build those brands and clearly are putting in the effort and time. But aren't necessarily to the, you know, Fred Wilson, Brad Feld, et cetera level. So I think there's definitely uh, an element there if you do it authentically and the people you are trying to contribute to the conversation with are are people that you uh, would want to work with or believe in their investment theses, things like this.
0: Yeah, as discussed earlier, for me, my efforts have been a really significant time commitment. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on ways to better manage the time commitment?
2: Yeah, I think that, and this is one of the things that I do for my uh, my XVC blog that you mentioned, where I aggregate all the venture capital job postings that I can find. I run an email list that's focused on venture capital job seekers at the associate and analyst level. You know, initially when I started that, that was back in oh eight oh nine when I was working in venture, and I've continued ever since. And once I established that core resource of of kind of being known as the place to find out about the latest. Associate and analyst jobs. Uh, I've been able to actually automate the upkeep of those job postings. Uh, in my case, through using a combination of Evernote and a virtual assistant to keep those postings up to date and fresh. And, uh, you know, really being very much hands off for me in terms of getting that, that new content out there. So there's kind of this theme around productization. You know, Jay's done it at NextView with their, their pitch decks. Uh, there's a lot of examples of folks who are really productizing that expertise to help them build brand as an investor. So once you have V1 of the product and you see it gets traction, then that upkeep can actually be done in a very lightweight way through virtual assistants or you could delegate it to an intern or things like this. People think this stuff is a lot of work and it is. But as you you get some scale and you get some experience under your belt to to layer on additional things, it's not as much work as you would think.
1: There's also, I want to just add to that, John, because I think it's a good point. There's, there's this like mythology around the early movers in platform or whatever you want to call this idea of adding value in a systematic way from a VC that like you need a team, you need a staff, you know, it's bloating the management structure and fees, et cetera. I'm a one man band at NextView and, you know, I just love the work I do. And they were able to play into that uh, when we talked about it, you know, by kind of giving me, um, a fair share of, uh, the autonomy at the firm the uh, credibility that, you know, I could actually have a byline, it doesn't have to be all for the partnership. So I think a lot of firms that are hesitant to move on this, or they're trying to hire, where I see them trip up. And when I talk to my peer set, a lot of times, it's because the partnership is too involved. And that's, that's tricky to step back, because you really have to trust the person you're bringing on, and, and do some onboarding, and, you know, make sure they're getting immersed in the firm's ethos, and, and the thesis and all that. But I, where I see brands, uh, or firms that are trying to build a brand, Waste a lot of time and spend unnecessary effort on this stuff it's because they just can't get out of their own way um you know the the partners are very smart they're very driven, and so they they end up like putting their hands all over everything that the person they brought on to do that stuff is is trying to get done and that's one very like problematic vein that I've seen where people spend a lot of undue time on this brand building stuff It's because they're just like re revving their wheels unnecessarily and the second problem I see a lot is. People will build something, whether it's the pitch deck template that you mentioned, John, or something else, and they'll count it as a win because of the reaction it gets. And then they'll do something completely unrelated next. Uh, I like to say in content marketing for any kind of company, whether it's VC firm or another type, if something works, don't do more like it, do more with it, right? You can get a lot of mileage out of one idea that sticks by putting it on other channels. You know, we do a lot with SlideShare. That's an outcropping of our blog. If something works on our blog, I want to turn it into a slide share. and it actually winds up like 5x the views and I have a template that I use to do that. So there's all these ways to like take an idea that works and lean into it and actually get more mileage out of it. And I think in doing so, it's not automation, but it definitely helps you get more mileage out of a single idea that the entrepreneurial community is basically signaling that they like and want more of.
2: And there's there's also a double dip element too. So... You know, not only is the 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 next few set of pitch decks right, you know, a great resource. I've personally use them, uh, but because they've been so successful, Jay could then follow up with another piece of content or another series that's focused on how that thing was built, right? And th- there's a sort of an element of content marketing where if you get some kind of a a big big success or a big failure. To actually unbox that and talk about that, talk about how you built it, what you did right, what you did wrong, what you do differently next time. That's another way to get even more mileage out of a theme that you already know is resonating with your target audience.
1: Right, and it's such an unfair advantage that a lot of firms have when they can access an expert that a lot of people want to hear from because they can, um, but they tend to do one initiative with that person and then let it die. But I think you know one example is we did an initiative around hiring technical talent and how to hire, like, and/or understand and/or beat. Google. And um, we had a Google engineer come in and present the entire hiring process to a small group of people that was like kind of invite only. But I also did an interview with this person that turned into an essay on our blog. Um, longer term, you know, I could create a bigger resource, which could look like a template that you carry with you in your interview process. Uh, I could blog about the same idea of interviewing for technical talent and just talk to various different people or do a reflection on what I learned from this one engineer. There's a lot of ways, you know, like you're saying, I can kind of like dig into that idea in a number of ways, whether telling you how I did it or just actually taking tangents off of it uh, or literally taking the same information and putting it through a new medium. And I think that's something I don't see as much in the venture world when people are building their brands as I see in, say, you know, the software world or a product or service-driven business where they're, they're getting really good at that because of how hyperactive and cross-channel everybody is now. They're really good at playing into that. and VCs can save a lot of time and be more effective if they did as well.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. If I could add myself, you can take analogous things that people are doing in other industries and try and apply them with what you're doing. If there's an approach to blogging that people are doing in a different industry that's unique, you could apply it to whatever industry you're in if it's a good fit and if if you can provide unique value in that context.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the harnessing like the network that VCs have, which is such an unfair advantage compared to other industries, right? Because it's, it's so important that a VC have a great network, either locally or in a given sector. So, you know, NextView built the Hitchhiker's Guide to Boston Tech, which was this front door microsite to anything you need, whether you're a new or a veteran in Boston Tech. And we had all this knowledge and we just used a lot of networks uh, connections to understand like what community groups should we list and, you know, what events were happening and things like that. And so we were able to shortcut some of the hard work there by relying on our network. And then obviously that network would then in turn help us promote the initiative. So there's all these things that VCs can be thinking about in a new way that's just so unfair compared to what I saw, you know, marketing software,
0: for example. That will conclude the first portion of the interview. We will finish the discussion in part two, where I will also include the key takeaways and tips jump on the site at fullratchet.net for guest links and show notes. And if you'd like to stay up to date on the Full Ratchet content and current events in the venture space, you can also sign up for the newsletter on the Full Ratchet website. Until next time, over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. See you again soon.